Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast. In today's edition, and I'll tell you what, one this is a story that I just think is is so incredible that I gotta dig deeper into it. And this has been on my mind uh, ever since I learned about Brendan Todd winning these back-to-back tournaments. And I put out a tweet and I said, uh, you know, this is the, compare this accomplishment to Tiger coming back and winning the Masters after all he's been through and his back surgeries and everything. And I, and I said. I think it's about a tie when you look at a Brendan Todd coming back and winning back-to-back tournaments, coming back from the full swing yips to winning back-to-back on the PGA Tour. That accomplishment is about right there with Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Of course, some people on Twitter, they got all over me for that. Uh, Some people actually kind of agreed with me. But I don't think people realize how difficult it is to dig yourself out of a hole like this Brendan Todd was in. I mean, David Duvall was in that hole, never got out of it. Ian Baker Finch was in that hole, never got out of it. And these are major championship winners. So this is just not something that just, you know, it kind of happens. And when you've got the full swing yips, you've got issues. I mean, you'll hit these shots that go so far offline, it's not even conceivable. And, and and your swing might not even look that bad. I'm sure his his didn't look that bad. I mean, Duvall's swing didn't look that bad. Ian Baker Finch's swing didn't look that bad. You can't, as a swing coach, you couldn't look at, at these golf swings and say, oh, that's why he hit it over there. Or that's why he hit it over there. There's something crazy going on at impact. And it, it's it's the yip. We know about it in putting. We know about it in chipping. But to see it in the full swing is not something you see a lot of. Of course, when you do see it, guys are usually gone. I mean, they're usually off the tour, and that's it. And that happened to Brendan Todd. He considered uh, doing something else. I mean, he considered opening up a a pizza franchise because 
His golf game was so, so far south, but he went and he got some help. And one of the guys that he got help from is a, a fellow by the name of Ward Jarvis. And Ward is a, he's a performance golf coach. Whatever that means, I'm going to ask him. Uh, he carried on the Corn Ferry Tour. And at some point, I don't even know if he still is, he's a firefighter in Paducah, Kentucky. I don't know how these two got together, but Ward's background is, is he was a, a stutterer. And he learned to overcome that and used some of the techniques that he used to overcome stuttering to help Brendan Todd overcome the yips with the full swing. And, and this this story just absolutely fascinates me because I've been a, I've I've been a, you know in, in enamored with the yips for a long time. You heard me talk about it. We've done putting research tips where we or uh, tests where we we tested over five thousand golfers and twenty six percent of them had the yips with putting. So this is not just a, a, a problem that faces just a couple people. This is this is a big big problem. A lot of people have it in the short game. Not as many people on the full swing. Typically tends to be a better player's mistake. You have to be able to hook the ball to experience the yips in full swing, and most people slice the ball, so they're not even a candidate to be in a full swing yipper. But anyway, the the problem is 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 amazing, and when you get out of it, it's even more amazing. So we're going to talk with uh, Ward Jarvis uh, about this and uh, kind of get get some insight from him. And I'm looking forward to doing it on the Hank Any Podcast. So, Ward, thanks for joining me on the Hank Any Podcast today. I appreciate it, bud. Hey, Hank, I appreciate you um, having me on. I've been looking forward to talking to you. Well, I mean, it's 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 my pleasure. You know, the, your name obviously came up when uh, Brandon Todd won back-to-back tournaments on the uh, PGA Tour after his bout with the full swing yips. And this is something that I've you know, studied for years. Uh, I wrote a book, uh, Cure Your Yips Forever, which we probably should have been titled how to, how to work around the yips uh, because, you know, it, it's my belief that, you know, you, they're, they're always kind of lurking. But um, it, it's the story fascinating. I've also had, I've also been a full swing yipper and I was for years and years and years and I, I, I fought my way out of it and, you know, went from like losing six golf balls on every nine holes I played to going like 120 rounds of golf in a row without without a penalty shot. So I, I realize what a difficult mountain this is. But you, your name came up, obviously, uh, in, in this big story. And I think it's a big story because I told people, I said, I think this, I think this is such an incredible accomplishment. I liken it and put it right in line with the accomplishment of Tiger Woods coming back and, and winning at the, at the Masters. But um, t- tell me your story. I mean, I, 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 I mean, are you a firefighter? Are you a golf coach? Are you a caddy? I mean, what? what? Well, uh, Hank, you know, um, I, I don't know if you know any professional firefighters, but we most all of us have second gigs. And uh, my gig just ha- happens to be coaching golf. So, oh really? Okay. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a full time you know um, performance uh, golf coach as as well as a firefighter. And you and you're a firefighter and and uh, yeah, here in Paducah, Paducah, Kentucky. Wow. And so, how long have you been doing that? 
Uh, five years. Oh my God! What's it like being a firefighter? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a great job. I mean, it's really worthwhile. You know, you um, get to, to do stuff that you you know. At, at least I personally feel it's you know relevant. You know, to helping people on a daily basis and always something new. You know, um, you never know, know what's around the corner, so it definitely keeps you on your toes and and uh, you know. <laughs> something that you had to have to uh, navigate a whole lot of different types of situations and, and uh, stay prepared. So it's great. You know, my, my good friend, Charles Barkley said, there's only like, uh, I think I, I forget how he says there's only a few real jobs in the world. He said, there's doctors, there's uh, policemen, firefighters, paramedics, military. He said, those are, those are real jobs. He said, everything else is just kind of a, you know, something you could live without but he said that those are the real jobs so firefighting is definitely definitely a real job i mean you get to you know help people and save people's lives so i mean and 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 there's a lot you know there's similarities to that not it's not life or death golf sometimes it feels like it is but definitely when you're a coach you're you enjoy helping people um so you, absolutely yeah so you do so so okay so you, you're, you're a firefighter and a yeah, golf coach start from the beginning here in paducah that might yeah, let me hear it. Yeah, um, I was introduced to the game of golf by uh, Russ Cochran, a longtime PJ Tour uh, <laughs> guy. Yeah, um, I know Russ. One won't won, uh, stay on tour for twenty three years and uh, won an event out there and had had a lot of success on on the Champions Tour. So, so he kind of connected me to the uh, to the PJ Tour r- r- really early in my life. So I had a passion for you know, professional golf and, um, always, you know, ha- had a dream of, of being out there someday, but, um, so there, there, there kind of came a opportunity, um, for me to, uh, do some caddying, um, after my schooling and everything. And so I, I spent a couple years out there and then, um, I met my wife to be and uh, decided that the best move for um, me and my young family then was to, was to kind of transition um, out of that role and back into a a role here in my hometown of Paducah. And that's kind of how I ended up in the fire service and, and and all that, but, you know, kind of circle back around um, uh, in in the beginning of uh, 2018, um, started my coaching gig. Where do you coach? Um, I, I, um, I will. I work out of Paducah, um, um, and um, we we have a um, a, a facility, uh, um, a teaching facility uh, here here in town. So, okay. Um, but I had actually met Brendan in 2010. And um, when uh, he was one of the last guys I caddied for um, for a week out there, but, um, but, but before I left, and so had followed his his story. You know, he he was in a major slump in his his first uh, major bout with with the the, the big miss, and um, but just a great guy. And uh, so we had stayed in touch here and there, n- not a whole lot, but. Um, you know, was just amazed at how he had um, 
pulled himself out of it, come back to win. And then, of, uh, of course, his his struggles uh, beginning, uh, you know, in 2000, in the 2015. So he had he had the, he had this problem before and then he got yes. out of it and won the Byron yeah. Nelson in 2014. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yes, he did. He uh-huh. did. And, um, you know, in one of our first conversations, when I did reach out to him in August of 18, you know, I just said, look, I've um, I've uh, I think I know what you're going through because I, I've stuttered my whole life. And, um, you know, I've been involved in golf and, and he knew all that. But but the, the two feel exactly the same as far as the yips and stuttering. Right. And um, and, you know, just a lot of my uh, research, I dug into kind of the what's and the why's and the how to's of navigating um, the stuttering experience. And along the way, I just saw so many parallels, you know, unbelievable connections, you know, with um, w- with the mental side of golf and then navigating all the moments in golf. So, you know, uh, we connected and, you know, well, one of the things he told me that stood out in that first um, our first conversation, he said, yeah, you know, in the past, I, I had worked myself out of major slumps, you know, m- major big misses and. Right. But I never dealt with my mental load and uh, of those experiences. So they they kind of just lingered. So, you know, I promised him that day that, well, this time's going to be different because we're going to take those on and we're, we're going to address, you know, all the mental lows, all the mental side of this. Hmm. So, you know. So you you worked a lot on the on the mental side with them. Let, let, let me a couple things just before they slip my mind. You're talking about the uh, parallels with stuttering, and you know I I said this to um, someone when I was talking about Charles Barkley, and you know everybody he's got the most famous golf swing in the world. You know, ten million people have gone on YouTube to watch him have his stutter and his downswing, and. Um, you know, I helped him on my show, The Haney Project, on the, the Golf Channel. And, you know, people would look at it and they'd say, Charles, yeah, he's still he's still doing it. And I'm like, you know, that's not really really fair way to look at it. I said he 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 used to he used to have that problem on every single swing. And I yeah. said, now, you know, if he if he has that problem on, you know, half his swings, or even if he just eliminates it twenty-five percent of the time, I mean, don't you have to give him you know, as credit for, for doing better. It's like, it's like, and I use the example of, of, of a stutter. I said, you know, like, it's like if somebody stutters and they stutter every time they try and talk and then they work on it and, and do whatever you do and, and you, you, you get help and you, you apply what you've learned and then you stutter once in a while. I mean, I mean, shouldn't that person have a lot of credit for what they, what they've, they've done? I mean, you know, Charles, yeah, I know he's still doing it once in a while, but not on every single swing. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's a hard, it, it's, it's one of those things that I think makes it even tougher to overcome uh, th- these types of issues. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's a monster. You know, I, I know Rick Ankiel, um, the Cardinals, described it like that. Um, and it's just, it's just, you know, coming to terms with it. And like you said, there are, you know, I'm a big believer that any big, big win is a combination of a lot of small wins. So obviously, you know, you're probably seeing a lot of that in Charles and in his in the strides that he's made. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, you know, he, he was a 
his performance environment was basketball. So, you know, but but we see it in all these spaces, um, performance type spaces. You know, um, we see it, you know, with second basemen and, and yeah, where they can't throw it to first, or John Lester, the pitcher, can't can't throw it from oh, yeah. you know the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, mound to first base. Like, you know, where he threw his glove with the ball to first base. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're all dealing with accomplished athletes here and um, accomplished performers, and it's just. You know, what we're dealing with is, um, you know, an automatic ability that they've done in a certain space time after time after time. And, you know, somehow the mind just starts interfering with something that's automatic. And basically you have the clashing of two elements of human nature. You know, number one, which human beings have the ability to learn skills and master skills and for those skills kind of to go underground and how they work. Right. Right. That makes us efficient. And then secondly, we, our brains had the ability to predict, predict, you know, potential pain. And what happens then is, is that, you know, we go into control mode to avoid pain. And, but what's trying to be controlled is something that's only meant to work on automatic. So it's just, you know, it's this paradoxical process of gaining control through totally letting go of control. Hmm. Well, and and uh, so is this is this what you suggested that uh, Brendan do? And, and, and how did you go about doing that? Yeah, you know, I mentioned it, it happens in a particular space, right? So really what, what you have to do is you have to kind of take charge of your mental space and kind of recraft it, so to speak. And for him, it was not it was not so much a matter of adding to something or taking away, but just reminding him, you know, kind of going back to his formulating some essential performance beliefs, you know, like fundamentals and kind of nailing those down and then really taking a look at things probably even just as important to what's essential. Look at what's not essential, you know. Uh, you know, you don't have to think perfectly. You don't have to think positively. You don't, you know, y- y- you can coexist with these fears and perform brilliantly. If, you know, l- like you said, you can kind of identify what it is, why it's happening. Um, if, if you kind of have a good foundation there, then you can kind of start to recraft that inner environment. You know, a, a friend of mine, um, named Matthew O'Malley, he put out a brilliant book called uh, Revolutionizing How We Understand and Treat Stuttering. And in it, you know, he listed like basically five conditions that have to be in place for these stutter-like behaviors or, you know, or or yip-like behaviors um, to take place. And, you know, I I think each one just relates beautifully to, to golf. You know, number one, it has to be a learned movement skill. Number two, there has to be some type of pressure on the individual performing the, the skill. And three, upon that there's feedback upon attempting the skill. Or, you know, I call feedback the, um, the feelings and the thoughts that we get about outcomes, both potential and actual. Okay. So I, I think that's a huge part of it. And then four is just, you know, upon the performance of the movement, you know, it brings immediate punishment and reward. And then five, you, you have the element of uncertainty of outcome. 
you know. So if you can kind of tackle each of those elements, you know, within the mental game of golf, I think you're on to something. Hmm. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we got to take we got to take a little break and, and uh, got to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, we'll, we'll start uh, delving into those five things a little bit and let you explain them further. This is uh, this is great stuff. Ward Jarvis is our guest on uh, Hank Handy podcast. He's a performance golf coach and with the expertise in uh, helping people overcome the, the yips. So this is a fascinating uh, time for me. I, I love having you on. Ward. We'll, we'll be right back after this. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So 
So Ward, uh, you're on Twitter, uh, W Jarvis Coaching, yeah, at W Jarvis Coaching. You've got a website, uh, Jarvis-Coaching.com, and yeah. uh, you're a firefighter. You're a golf coach. You're, it's pretty pretty cool uh, re- resume you got. Um, we were just talking about the um, five things. What, what did you say that? Uh, just the kind of the five conditions that have to be in place for for um, the, the yips to take place. Yeah, yeah. And you think the, so? You you feel like the yips and stuttering are just very very similar. Yeah, I, I think they're practically the same phenomena of the human motor system. Hmm. And just like, you know, it affects any human body part that is capable of fine motor. So for me, if he's speaking, um, you know, for for obviously, you know, golfer is going to be in the in the hands and the arms and, uh, you know, kickers, legs. Yeah. So uh, that's been evident lately in the NFL, hadn't it? I mean, uh, how about uh, what Adam Venetari, I mean, one of the greatest kickers ever? Yeah, I mean he's he's done, right? I mean, yeah, it, it happens in in like everywhere, you know, where you know an automatic skill is taking place, and then you know the, 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 that the, those two elements of human nature kind of clash. What do you tell people when they say like, what you know, why is this happening, or what caused this to happen, or I mean, I always feel like I don't know if that's it's just kind of a waste of time, and we just got to deal with what with where we are chicken and egg, right? I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, what I think causes stutter. Genetic element on down, you know, the way on back that that has something to do with it. But, you know, for me, I'm focused on, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on trying to deal with what's there. So. Right. Yeah. Not, not what used to be. I mean, it's a, that's not going to do you a lot of good, is it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so these these five things you were talking about, uh, it's, it's something that's learned, um, feedback, there's uncertainty, pressure, uh, punishment or, or reward. Uh, take me through those things and w- w- what they mean to you golf-wise. Golf-wise, I mean, I kind of break, break the middle game down into um, navigating a sequence of uh, moments, right? Um, kind of looking at your competitive environment, you know, which is golf in our case, breaking down. You know, I tell people, you know, we can never be certain of the outcomes in the game, but we can be certain about the type moments that we're going to have to navigate to get those outcomes. And so that's how we prepare, right? We, we prepare for the moment. So, you know, I break them down. You can do three or four. I mean, there's a planning moment, then there's a transition to an executional moment or playing moment. Then there's feedback, um, you know, and uh, then f- from there, there's the, the waiting game, you know, just to do it all over again. So, um, you know, in the golf swing, you know, we talk about smooth transitions, right? Right. Well, we, we can do the same thing mentally with the mental game. How are we transitioning from one moment to another? Um, you know, as far as the feedback moment, and Brendan's talked about this recently about, you know, he, he came to me earlier in the summer and it was like, you know, I've got my swing grooving and, you know, I, I, I know what I'm doing now as far as my, my golf swing, but I still 
carry around this fear? You know, what can I do about it? And I said, you know, you just, you got to go back, back to your moments. And, um, so back to the, back to the moment of what? Back to the three moments of the game, Okay, you know, breaking them down into, you know, planning moment. Obviously, you know, he can manage his game, his course management, everything, but, but it was that it was ideally you want to go from a planning moment into a playing moment and you don't want to play, play a shot in a, in a feedback during a feedback moment. So with him, it's just a matter of just, you know, moving our attention, becoming aware of, you know, if you, you know, for some, you know, the, you're doing work behind the ball, then you're walking into the ball. And so if you take that first step into the ball and you, you feel like, you know, you have feelings or thoughts about the outcome, you know, like I really want to hit this shot or I really want to avoid a certain shot. It's okay. You know, it's, that's okay. That's going to happen, but you need to catch it and then just revert back to a smooth transition, you know, from that wanting experience onto, you know, a point of, you know, being natural or, I call it intuition, you know, just that intuitive spot. Now, would you have them start over at that point? I mean, start the whole routine over again, or what would you do? Um, it just depends. You know, if, if you're in the groove, you can, um, you know, switch your attention in, in, in milliseconds, right? Right, right. Especially if you if you prepared for it and, and have that comfortable spot to go to, um, you know, m- mentally. So, um I just, I think it's very important that we do our best not to execute out of a feedback moment. And you see people doing that a lot. I mean, that's a, a and give me an example of, of, of what, what that means exactly, what you just explained. Well, if you, you know, really the only thing, I mean, it's a, once the swing is initiated, that's probably the last point of conscious thought. Right. I mean, we can have swing cues and a lot of players are real, you know, dependent on swing cues. And, and that's great. Yeah. But um, I got my kids. Screaming, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so but, but, but once that swing is initiated, you know, it, it's it's um, it's uh, all about, you know, just letting go and letting it happen. Yeah. So um, it, it, as long as as long as we, we can get out of that moment, you know, um, you know, we can think mechanically up into that point. But once the swing's initiated, you know, th- th- that's where we just ha- have to let go of c- control and, and trust. I'm trying to visualize what a practice session would look like with you. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. when Brendan, uh, Todd and you were working. So take take me through through what that might have been like. Sure. Well, I mean, we've done we've done some work just in terms of, um, you know, our work behind the ball and basically our, our move into the ball. Um, we've done a, a, a lot of work there. So what, um, what, what would that entail? What, what would you what would you see as the ideal situation for somebody there? Well, you can you can I encourage people to kind of name the moments, like talk out loud, um, you know, in, in a practice session, of course. And, you know, I mean. But, you know, remind yourself of what moment you're, you're in, you know, take in what it feels like, what you want it to feel like. Um, so what would they what would they say? What would they name it? Well, you can say something as simple as like, 
I'm now in a pl- in, in a planning moment. I'm taking in, you know, information. I am, you know, just talk, hear yourselves, you know, verbalize it. Right. I, I do this a, a lot with juniors, you know, kind of get them in the moment. You know, we always talk about be in the moment, be in the moment, you know, or breathe right or anything. But what we don't do a good job of is specific moments. Like, well, what does it mean to be in the moment? Right. Because being in, a pl- being in a planning moment is totally different than being over the ball, right? <laughs> and then, you know, what happens after the shot? So you want to be in every moment. And, you know, I tell people like, you know, in golf, <laughs> We're, we're, we're going to not reach our full intent every time, you know, we rarely do. And it's not a game of perfect, like Dr. Rotella says. And so, so it's okay to, to, to be down, you know, in, in a feedback moment, if it's bad to, to feel it and everything, but we've got to be able to, to move on to the next moment. So I say, you know, a, a good skill is being able to sit in darkness for a while and then get up and start the process all over again. Hmm. So, um, you know, it's just a lot of exchanging ideas back and forth and just talking about certain scenarios. And, uh, you know, I, but I do encourage, you know, a lot of players I work with to just name the moments. And if, if, if you're stepping into a shot and you, you feel you have feelings or thoughts related to outcomes, name it. Saying, you know, I am in a, I'm in a feedback moment. I'm moving now away from a feedback moment into an executing moment or focusing on my intuition. And so just little, little things like that go a long way in, in just staying in the moment. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Interesting, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. All right, let's take another another break. Uh, hear from the sponsors, and we'll be right back with uh, Ward Jarvis and a great discussion about the uh, yips and the full swing yips, and we'll, we'll get into some more of uh, what what people can do to maybe help their situation when we come back. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so so Ward, one of the things you know, I mean, okay, so I, with the yips, I've I've tested, I've done a lot of research on this, and I, I've I've tested over five thousand people. We tested them on the Sam Putting Lab, which uh, you, I'm sure you're aware of, and you can detect a yip on that on that uh, machine. And twenty six percent of all the people we tested had the yips, had some yip in their stroke. Now, now they maybe they didn't even know they had a yip, but but it was in there. The number's high with uh, short game as well, and I think it's getting higher the way golf courses are maintained today with the, with the way they mow the grass so close around the greens. There's a lot of people that short game yip. I know I, I'm over in, in Phoenix now and, and uh, over at Arizona Country Club, and I, I look over there when I'm swimming my laps in the pool at the short game area, and the only people over there practicing on the short game area, everybody with the yips, you know, they're, they're, they just they came and chipped the ball on the green. Uh, and but the full swing yips is something like totally different. It, it, it my my experience is it it's just a better player's issue because you you really have to have a two way miss in order to have that really come into play. And most people, probably ninety percent of the people that play golf, as you know, I mean they slice the ball, so they really don't don't have this kind of problem. And it, and it's it's not it's not something that people talk about a lot, uh, especially given the fact that. You know the, the the word yip. Nobody likes to say that. And then um, the the fact that when somebody has it, I mean they're pretty much gone. I mean it's it's career over. It's ender. You're you're out of there. I mean you can find something else to do. It, that was one of the things that was really refreshing when uh, Brendan Todd won these these two tournaments back to back, Bermuda and then Mayakoba. And he talked about how he had his battle with the full swing yips. And all of a sudden on the Golf Channel for the first time ever, they actually said the word yip. Which, uh, you know, I mean, Brandel Chambly would say it once in a while, but pretty much everybody else never t- never talked about it. Uh, yeah. Why do people have such an aversion to just like calling something what it is? <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's uh, tough, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think it has something probably to do with, a, you know, a good desire to want to protect your confidence. 
Yeah. Especially, you know, with the lead athletes and, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's real black and white, you know, sometimes it's black and white. Sometimes it's real gray as far as, you know, is this the yes? Is it not? You know, but then there are other cases where like, yeah, you know, it's, you, you know, especially w- w- when players are battling a big miss, you know, I mean, it generally is, uh, you've got to do something mentally to get yourself out of it. Yeah. Um, and that really is just giving your brain new experiences. Um, so. And is that what you do with, with, with like, okay, so, so how do you, you mentioned how stuttering and the yips are, are very similar. Um, how do you, how do you go and attack the stuttering problem? I tell people I had, I was blessed to have a wonderful um, speech therapist in elementary school. And I, I had pretty, I'm an outgoing personality, you know, it wasn't naturally reserved and, you know, always, um, I don't know. I don't just treat that, you know, to my parents, you know, and, but, um, you know, you, there's this concept within performance circles and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of it, but it's called deep practice. Um, you know, um, Dave Allred, who, who works with, um, Francesco Molinari talks about, you know, the ugly zone. It's operating on your margins, you know, where you can barely do something. And I, I, I had this wonderful speech therapist back in the, in the eighties, you know, who would take me out of, out of class several times a week. And we'd talk about the stuttering experience and everything and everything went with it. But then we go into this little room and we would make phone calls to local department stores. And I would get on there and ask if, you know, do you have any red sweaters today or something like that? Right. And I did this every single week, you know, and, um, that, that that was my first exposure, you know, to deep practice, operating on my margins, you know, finding those areas where you're barely capable of just being, you know, and, and the, you know, that's where the improvement comes, I think. You know, I mean, I saw uh, Kevin Kisner a couple of years ago, you know, describing the, the tour said that PJ Tour is an improvement league. And I just kind of latched onto that. I said, yes, so true. I mean, it's, you know, the it factor is just learning how to improve at those margins. And some guys are able to figure it out and some aren't. But, you know, it's just it's owning who you are and doing your thing well. So and, and when you and when you have a, have somebody that has a, a stuttering issue like like um, like you had, what what kind of things do you tell yourself? Do you do that gets you well, out of it's that. Well, thing. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. At, at work, um, I rarely, um, being a firefighter, I have to talk on the radio, right? And I've actually, Brendan and I have had some great, great laughs out of this because um, I'll send them, uh, I'll record myself sometimes and send it to him. And he's like, who is that guy? You know, but it's really funny. The only speaking situation that I have trouble in at certain times is our morning radio check. And so it's totally different from an emergency. An emergency situation, my attention is elsewhere. I'm not thinking about stuttering. I'm just flowing, you know, and doing my thing. But in the morning, you know, I have to say simply like engine one radio check. And there's times where I can't get engine out. <laughs> I, I like literally block up. And so I do, sir, I have certain tactics to divert my attention. Um, I'll have people stare at me, my coworkers. I'll literally bring them out there and say, stare at me while I talk. <laughs> and they stare at me and I, 
I talk fun. It's just that. And what is, so what I does that do? Is, that just takes your attention away from. I just, it's just that millisecond of attention. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that, that millisecond lack of control is what, what initiates the automatic movement. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, so we'll do little things like that. And, um, you know, I say, you know, for, I think it's important if you're going through the yips or stuttering like behaviors um, to, to really think deeply about automatic activities that, that we do as human beings, um, the more you can link your experience with the automatic, because with the automatic, you know, the, the, there is no fear. There is no real effort. There, there is no, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of energy to do things that are automatic. So, you know, at times I'll like look at myself, make a fist while I'm talking, you know, just, just linking my, my speech, which is supposed to be automatic, which is doing something that's automatic, you know, uh-huh. L- little things like that. I've, I've found that help. Um, and a lot of that can translate you know, over into golf, you know, just remind yourself that, that you, you can do this. There, there's nothing necessarily wrong w- with your move. You know, sometimes there is, but, but a lot of times there, there's nothing wrong with your swing. There's nothing wrong with your technique your routine or, you know, it's just, um, you know, you're, 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 um, just kind of forgetting the automatic nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it totally makes sense. And and what happens is, is that, that, you know, people just, uh, you know, they get in this, this mode and once it starts, it's, it's, it's hard to, they don't, they don't have a way to turn it off and it just kind of goes from, from bad to worse. Um, yeah, th- that's that's one of the things that that interests me. I mean, how you how you get somebody to turn the corner once once it goes in the in the wrong way? Well, it's that unconscious firing right in the moment that is a lot of I mean, the human body and how we move is just miraculous. But in terms of like every movement we make is prepared subconsciously, and even before we intend to make a move. Like our our body is preparing us to make that move. It's called readiness potential, and uh, the best research kind of d- delves into that. But in the moment, you really can't impact the subconscious, right? But if you if you um, work on it kind of outside your competitive environment, you can um, you know change the way that you think, change the way you feel, change the way you you know think about w- what it is you're doing, you know. You don't, we don't always have to interpret things. You know, we don't, we have some control of how we interpret feedback, right? Right. Doesn't, um, you know, we all know that those players who live and die on every single golf shot. And so you don't have to do that, you know, because um, you don't have to do this perfectly. You just have to do it, you know, be functional and efficient and, and, uh, you know, ha- have some clarity about, well, what, what it is you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, you mentioned Rick and Keel, the, the earlier, the ba- baseball player, St. Louis Cardinals. He was one of the, the best pitchers or the best pitcher in their, in their whole system. And he threw like, I don't know, 16 or 18 pitches into the backstop. Uh, you know, ended up having to go to the outfield and, and, uh, he could throw yeah. from there, but he couldn't, couldn't throw from, from, uh, you know, the pitcher's mound to, to the, the, the mound, catcher. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Have you worked with with athletes in, in, in any other sports and had uh, success with them? 
Well, I mean, I'm confident that the the principles, the framework apply, you know, directly to any sport, you know, any type of performance setting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've uh, you know, worked with, you know, people in, in the business world and, and s- s- some other sports, but, um, you know, right now I'm really focused on golf. When you want, when you watch golf on TV, do you see guys that you say that guy's yipping, that guy's yipping his putt, that guy, oh, yeah. that, that guy's I mean, yipping, yeah. that guy, that was a yip on a chip. That was a, that was a full swing yip because I mean, some of these shots that you don't see it a lot because you know, the, the cameras generally aren't, aren't, aren't on them because they're right. shooting 72 to 75. And, right. um, but yeah, I mean, Generally, when when a player falls off, a good player falls off the map. I mean, big time. Um, generally, the, the the yips that yip word is probably applicable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so and, I, uh, I see, I see it. I mean, their their fairway percentage gets down in the forties. They're you know, they, they, and then, you know, the chipping is obvious. They can't get it on the green, the, the putting them, you know, Jordan Spieth, I mean, Jordan Spieth was yipping putts, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and I mean, it was visibly noticeable on TV. Of course, you know, I've, I've, I said before, I said, no, you don't, you don't just all of a sudden come up with a, a method of looking at the hole when you're putting from short distance, if you didn't have an issue in the past or, and, and putting, yeah. and putting left hand low. So it's not the first time it had happened. But, uh, you know, he was having a big problem and, you know, here he is, he, he turned it around and, and finished second on the tour last year in, in, in putting. I mean, that was an, an amazing turnaround from that. I don't know what he did. I'm not sure if he knows what he, what he did. Sometimes, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not positive, you know, it, they just maybe go away and then, you know, next thing you know, they come back. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it, putting is so, so individualized, you know, it's so, you're able to do more with putting too than, than the full swing yips. I mean, you, you can, I mean, heck, I mean, some people put, you know, go from right-handed to left-handed, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's just, again, changing the experience that, that, that your brain's given. And it's a lot easier to do that than putting with putting and than it is, you know, chipping or, you know, more full swing. But um, yeah, with putting, you know, you're able, you, you, you can change grips. You can, change you know routines you can um look at the whole you know that that really um helps a lot of people yeah but obviously he did it he did it to an amazing level you know for so long and still you know you know probably one of the best short games in the world still i make this statement sometimes about people that have the yips i did you know this guy's a great putter but he's got the yips like, you know, yeah. or this guy's a great ball striker, but he's got the yips. He's a, he's got a great short game. Like Tiger Woods has a great short game, but he went through a period of the yips. I don't think people really understand that it's like they're two different things. Like they look at, they say, oh man, this guy can't hit it at all. I'm like, yeah, well, have you ever seen him on the range? I mean, he hits it great on the range. You know, I've said before that you don't, you don't look at a hacker out there and say they've got the yips, right? Yeah. It's always generally an accomplished player who's performed in a competitive space before. Right. I mean, I, I remember personally, you know, I, I kind of progressed pretty well up until I got to be about 15. I, I won a big high school event you know, around here at 15. And, and a month later, I, I get my first putt and just kind of went in a 
tailspin for a year or two, you know, and, you know, it was devastating to me. It was hurtful, you know, and um, it, it resists effort, you know, certain types of effort. You can't, you know, hang out on the putting green and work yourself out of it. You can't, you know, hit balls. And um, yeah, it, so it, it can happen, you know, um, but the key is that it doesn't have to be a domino. Right. And I, I guess we're seeing that kind of with Jordan. So yeah, he's, he's got to turn around. Domino. It doesn't have to de- de- derail careers. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. But, but you've got to do smart work in order to. OK, so g- give me an example of what, what the smart work is. Let's say somebody comes to you and they've got the short game yips, because I got a lot of people that have, you know, send me questions or call in or whatever. And they ask about the chipping yips. Somebody comes to you, they got the chipping yips. Uh, take me through what a, what a lesson would be like, some of the things you might tell them, uh, pr- what kind of practice routine they would go through, what, what a, an hour would be with you, and what would, what, what would happen? Right. Um, well, I mean, you, you've got to look at their fundamentals and make sure, you know, everything's in, in place there, right? But, uh, you know, you want them to kind of name the thoughts that they're having. You know, if it's over a putt, like, you know, name, like, if there, there's usually a dominant thought. Like, here we go again, or don't do this, or don't okay. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so kind of help them, okay, that's there, you know. So it's it's not, it's. I tell people, I, I like, like, visualize a scale, okay. And on one end of that scale is a brain that's that um, functions in an elite way that, you know, that makes putts, that, you know, doesn't think about, what it's doing it just does it right and then then on the other end of the scale is is a brain that has potential to self-sabotage and and get in your way of what you want and so visualize you're kind of in the middle and all you got to do is kind of tip the scale and that can be done from just like like we talked about just with your attention you know recognizing your attentions at at a and you don't like a you don't aim to be at a and but you've got be prepared that that's what you want to be thinking about and you just go there right so it just kind of comes back to awareness and and uh you know so it just it it depends on you know what if it's putting you know we might try some different um you know look at how other people do it well right and um you know i've got a kid i'm working with in idaho now and you know, he's kind of struggling on the greens, kind of as a great ball striker, but his mental approach once he gets around the greens is different than from tee to green. Um, so we've been we've been looking at Mickelson's um, routine back in 2004 when he uh, won the PGA. You know, he's got his around the around the hole drill, you know, and um, and back in 2004, he was actually doing that as his free putting routine. If if you recall, he would actually simulate that that drill from about three different spaces, and he said all he had in his mind were numbers, and so you know he and and they were high numbers because in that drill you know if you didn't make a hundred row you had to start over. So I think he said you know at, once he chipped it to to his circle that there Walter Straw I think it was there yeah said I knew I had it. He said all I thought over that putt was 87, 88. And so, you know, that's just fascinating, I think. But, you know, just giving people, helping people create those small wins that 
are going to eventually lead to the big win of, you know, overcoming it, you know, to the point that they can, you know, tap into that natural ability. All right. So a guy gets over a chip shot. He, he, well, first off, he, he's, he's already noticed when he missed the green that he's going to have to chip it. And yeah. he knows he knows already that the ball's in a tight lie. He hasn't even got there yet, but he knows it's a tight lie, and he's probably already freaking out. And then he gets yeah. then he gets up over the, up to the ball, and he looks at it and he picks out the shot he wants to play and the shot he needs to play, and he's thinking, "Oh my gosh, uh, you know, I, uh, am I going to fat this? Am I going to blade it?" Yeah, yeah, you don't know what the outcome's going to be. You know the potential outcomes, right? Yeah, those are the put. Okay, so so, what, what do you tell that guy? Well, again, we got to control what we can control. You know, um, we can't. We can look at the potential outcomes. Okay, what what's the potential outcome of the shot? We could hit a pure shot. We could chunk it. We could blade it. We could whip it. We could do. We could do a whole lot of things, right? And we don't have certainty of which one's going to happen, right? Right. But that's not the process of hitting the shot, right? That's just the beginning. Wanting an outcome is just the beginning. So we just we we name that moment, right? We just go back to our moments and 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 uh, try try to get that smooth transition from okay, we're going to take in all the possibilities. And we're going to narrow it down to, to, to you know, the, the shot we want. And then we're just going to try to get better in each moment, you know, and it's a gradual process. I mean, it's, um, you know, I mean, it's you, you, you may go out and continue yipping it. But can you look at yourself and say, you know, I handled I handled the, the planning moment. Well, check. Okay, I give myself a fist pump, right? Right. Okay, I didn't. Maybe I performed a little better in the execution moment, but it still led to yep. Okay, that's okay. And but maybe I dealt a lot better with the feedback. Hey, I got terrible feedback, but you know I recognize that you know at the end of the day this isn't life or death. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna feel the pain for a minute and th- th- then I'm gonna move on. And what what, what I what I find is is that if you can win certain moments over time, you can work yourself out of it. You know, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's quick, but yeah, yeah. But you, you, you've got to win the first step. It's definitely a process, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, with chipping, it's, you know, you're getting into more swing. I mean, you can take a look at the plane, you know, um, you know, is, is, is a player, you know, dipping underneath it. I know, um, you know, just, you can start to do some more. Yeah, the yip you know, doesn't usually come first. Usually, there's some, there's some you know, technique issues, and then and then it it morphs into a you know a, yeah. a bigger issue for sure. No no doubt about that. With the short game, that's that's one of the reasons it's so difficult to to overcome uh, for sure. The, the 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 full swing yips. When I mean, are there certain things that you see people do? With their, I mean, they hit the same shots. It's that it's that if a right-handed player, it's that block that goes just higher than high and farther right than right or it's the reaction i think to it this is a quick duck hook to the left um i mean those are the are the shots but are there characteristics in people's swings that you see that are that are yippers um yeah i mean a lot of times uh yeah it's just that you know that 
move from the top, you know, as far as the, the, the big block, as, as you said, it's just, you know, not trusting the, the, um, being able to, to shut the door to re- 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 release the club. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Bradley did something really, uh, you know, in hindsight is brilliant with Brendan, you know, Brendan was closing the club, you know, and it's kind of a, I guess, um, you know, the, 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 the move they thought they need to do then. And, but, you know, I, I know when he went to Bradley, he said, you know, I want you to feel, feel it opening up, you know, almost like, again, get, giving his brain a new experience, you know, and, and uh, opening it up, you know, opening up the forearms in order to give yourself permission to shut the door. So. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about Bradley Hughes, who is uh, Brandon Todd's uh, swing coach. And uh, he, yeah. he did some, some incredible work. I, you know, that's one of the things that I've seen too through the years is that you you have to be willing to to be unconventional. Like you talked about with the putting, there's a lot of different techniques you could use, grips, oh, yeah. looking at the yeah. hole and everything else. But you know, you have to be willing to be unconventional. And the first thing you have to do is just is just get rid of the yip. Once you do that, then you can kind of work your way from from there. A lot of times people have this idea that, you know, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to make some, you know, mythical perfect swing and then it's going to hit a perfect shot. And it's, it's not really the way to attack that that issue. Am I, am I correct? Oh, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. It's uh, a perfect golf swing is not going to get you out of this. Yeah. It's going to be a functional, efficient swing that, you know, along with the good mental clarity and, and focus. You talk a lot about you talk a lot about the 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 waiting game. What do you what do you what, give, give me give, give me some input on that? Yeah, and we talked. You know, I, I say wait well to play well. You know, if you think about professional golf, I mean, there's just one waiting experience after another. You know, it's different to wait between tournaments if you're, you know, a top fifty player in the world versus you know, a guy struggling to keep his car or if you're a mini tour player, you know, there's just all different types of experiences, you know, of waiting. There's waiting between shots. There's what waiting after shots. There's waiting after a good result, after a bad result. You know, there's waiting, you know, on the cut line. There's waiting, you know, in contention. Um, yeah, I think it's, you, you've got to, um, you got to wait well. I guess that's patience, you know, and just, that self-belief that I'm doing the right things. And if I keep winning my moments, you know, the objective result is eventually going to average out. It's going to be good, you know, but um, yeah, I just encourage, um, you know, Brendan had a moment um, earlier in the year. Well, in, in the 2018 season where um, he was like 197 on the list, you know, we need to get within the top 200 to, you know, have a shot, get back on tour, um, full time. And, um, he had a very limited number of starts of starts available, um, left, like we're talking two, three, four, maybe. And he went to the Monday at, uh, I think he was in Detroit, played a solid round. I think he shot 65. He was in a, in a three for two playoff. Um, made a par and got beat. Oh boy! Two guys you never heard of, right? Yeah. So you know what are we going to do there? You know that's kind of a dark time. It's kind of a pressure time. It would have been nice to get another start. You know while you're playing well, but you know we just talked about you know we're we're going to wait well in this moment. It's dark. You know we're going to kind of sit there for a moment, 
but then we're going to move out of it, you know, and stay focused and uh, not let it challenge our focus. And uh, obviously, you know, he did a, a brilliant job of that. And, um, you know, it's that patience, that self-belief that's, you know, paid off. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, you got some, you got some great, great insight into all this stuff. It's been uh, a fascinating uh hour talking to you I, I love it how, how can how can people get get in, in touch with you sure um, the, um the, the, they can find me on twitter at uh w jarvis coaching and um, then go to my website at jarvis-coaching.com and just uh give me a call i'll get back in touch with you all right that sounds good ward jarvis uh it's been a pleasure to have you on the hank any podcast i appreciate it hank all right we'll do it we'll do it again thanks so much Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Hank Haney Podcast. Listen, follow, rate, and share on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can make your thoughts and questions heard by emailing the show at hankhaneygoff at outlook.com. And you can also tweet me directly by sending your tweets to at Hank Haney on Twitter. The Hank Haney Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.